so we're going to take a look for this next season at uh, the armor of God. We're calling this season clothed. And you and I are clothed in Christ. And it'll be interesting as we walk through this journey and this progression, every element of armor actually is a revelation of Christ. So we're clothed in His righteousness. We're clothed in salvation of Christ. He is our peace. It's interesting as you start to see all of these things. But the, the first thing that we need to understand, um, have you ever seen that, that effeminate, sheep-stroking Jesus picture? Have you ever seen that? The little sweet Jesus, you know, with the little lamb in his arms. And uh, I just want you to know that doesn't tell the whole story of who God is. Jesus came and he submitted himself as a lamb riding a donkey in his first coming. But when he comes back, he's not going to be riding a donkey. He's going to be riding a horse. He's not going to be the lamb. He's going to become the lion. And he has a roar and there's something ferocious and there's a fight in the heart of God. And come on, he's fighting for you today. He's fighting for us. Why don't you just celebrate that and declare it today in an attitude that as we declare the power of God in this place, he is awakening his purposes in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. You and I are created in the image and in the likeness of an unconquerable king. You really need to think about that. You know, when people find out if you're from a family that's well-known and accomplished and so on, and they find out, oh, you're so-and-so's boy, you're so-and-so's daughter, if, if they know, you know, that, that dad who's known, recognized, whatever has, you know, accomplished things, then they immediately tie you in. Have you heard it before? You come from good stock. I just want you to understand who your father truly is. I don't know what your situation has been with your earthly father, but I do know what your situation is with your heavenly father. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the unconquerable warrior. Nobody can defeat him, and he awakens the heart of a warrior in his people. He is our father. We are his family, and we are in a fight. So this isn't on your, your page, but you might just jot it down. It's a really important statement because we've kind of reduced in our society uh, a, a really, I don't, I don't know, it's just a perspective in the church that just keeps asking God to make life easy. Oh, God, just make my life easy. We want to hear sermons that are the five easy steps to conquering something or, you know, the five ways to get everything you want. You know, Jesus is really not the way to get the things you want. Jesus is the way, period. And when you learn to want Him, everything else comes into focus and comes into play. And so, on, on the, what I want to just challenge you to write down is stop asking for easy and get in a fighter's frame of mind. Yeah. Amen. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's wrong, doesn't mean it's not God. Sometimes you have to fight. Stop asking for easy Amen. and get in a fighter's frame of mind. And so we're going to see and look at the spiritual battle that's taking place all around us, and it's the groundwork I want to lay today as we understand the, why even the, the Bible reveals the armor of God and, and what God wants us to see in all of this. Some of you have battles that you're fighting right now. I'm just going to declare I see a season of great acceleration that is coming upon us in Jesus' mighty name. 
Come on, there's sometimes in the fight where you suddenly begin to break through into new dimensions. We're calling that forth in Jesus' mighty name. Some of y'all are celebrating on behalf of others that are fighting fights right now. You know they're going through it. We're going to accelerate into a place of great advancement in this season of the church in Jesus' mighty name. You know what's worse than being in a fight? Because I started talking this language, and I remember years ago we had a family come. They said, look, we're going to leave the church and just wanted to give you an authentic expression why you're not going to see us anymore. It's like you're trying to raise up an army around here, and we're just looking for a church to go to. I just want you to know, God wants to raise up an army. That's why we come and gather as a church. You are ferocious warriors with this unconquerable king's nature embedded in your DNA. You are not conquerable either if you'll wake up to the purposes of God. What's worse than being in a fight is being in a fight and not knowing you're in a fight. Tracy and I, we had just been married for a few years. We were, I was probably 25 years old, and we went out to ride go-karts and do something really spiritual that night. And, uh, and as we, were, we got on the go-karts, there were these other three guys, and they were teenagers, probably around 18 years old. And, you know, they were racing each other. Tracy and I were racing each other. And somehow in the, in the course of the track and the rounds that we had, uh, we all kind of got entangled. They caught us. We weren't going so fast. You know, we were just there kind of being lovebirds, and they were being ferocious, you know, in the way they were battling each other. And one of them cut Tracy off in a way that I thought, okay, Okay, you want to play that way, right? I mean, you know, something in every man's heart. The damsel is in distress. The sword comes out. The, you know, and so I like, all right. And I looked at her and kind of, you know, gave the nod. And I took off. Those three boys had gone past us. I took off. Man, I'm maneuvering in. And I cut that one off that cut her off just like he did her. Yeah, take that. And then I cut in on the other one and kind of pushed his cart to the side. I mean, I actually got in front of all three of those guys in our last few laps. And when I pulled in, I was, <laughs> I felt so justified. And I'm sitting there in the front cart, and, you know, probably something like this going through my mind. They think that I, you know, am a professional race car driver or, you know, I, I don't know what's, what's happening. But what happened was all of a sudden I am kind of dazed and confused. And one of those three boys, uh, I didn't realize, but they weren't playing and, you know, just trying to compete. They were angry. And one of those three boys actually came up behind me and punched me from the back right in the side of my head while I'm still sitting in the cart. And by the time I'm realizing, you know, like stars in my eyes, (laughs) I I look over and the three guys are running out the fence. You know, they took their sucker punch and ran off. I was in a fight and I didn't even know I was in a fight. And some of you have been sucker punched because you've not woke up, you did not wake up yet to the reality you are in a fight. And we're going to learn how to more effectively engage in the battle that's going on in our lives. And you're going to stop losing the battle as a result of waking up to the greater warfare that God is calling us to in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, there's a spirit of victory in the place. We're calling it out. Like it or not, God has purposed for you to have a role in an epic battle of eternal proportion. Scripture's very clear, and I want to walk you through these verses, and I want to read every one of them that are on your, that's on your card. And I want you to think about and try to digest this spiritually to see and hear what God has to say. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, For though we walk in the flesh, 
We are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare. Would you please say those two words? Our warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy. Would you all say your enemy, please? So we are in this incredible fight of our warfare with your enemy, our enemy. We are in a fight. We're in warfare. We have an enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ephesians 6, here's where we break this down and start to understand incredible revelation God gives us in Scripture. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I'm just declaring the strength coming upon you as I read the Word of God today. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You need to learn to take your stand. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. That word schemes is strategies. He's strategically trying to dismantle your life from the inside out, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, physically, spiritually, and in every way. The enemy has schemes he's set against you, but Jesus is alive and gives us wisdom to walk beyond this. And it goes on and says, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is pretty intense when you're looking at what actually is being revealed in Scripture. It's powerful when you start to recognize and understand and see what we're really battling against. Let me just say, before I continue reading, the enemy loves it if he can get us for any reason to hate each other. He wins. You feel justified, but you're not. No mature believer ever has any reason, no justifiable reason to be offended. If the enemy can get us to, to levy our anger at each other as humans, he has won the fight. He's got you looking at the wrong enemy. Never take your eyes off of Jesus and never lose your focus of who the enemy truly is. You might be in a marital situation going on where the two of you feel very frustrated. Tracy and I have talked often about the beginning years of our marriage. We didn't know if we were going to survive each other. Perhaps you're here feeling that way. I felt like she was the problem. She felt like I was the problem. My prayers went something like this. Lord, if you'll just fix her, we'll get along just fine. Her prayers were the same about me. And when I came to the realization, you know what? I can't control her. I can't make her do what I feel like she should do. All I can do is submit myself to Jesus and become more like him and defeat the enemy. Suddenly things began to mold in the way that God wanted them to mold, and our relationship became what God wanted our relationship to become. She was never my enemy in our marital strain. I was never her enemy in our marital strain. The devil is our enemy. The devil wants to destroy you. Defeat the devil. Focus your efforts on serving Jesus and defeating the enemy, the true enemy in your life. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, verse 13, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What's the first thing we're going to look at? 
The belt of truth. You must start with truth. That's what Paul reveals in the Scripture. The belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. These are the sandals of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the, the flaming arrows or fiery darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You need to understand, and we have to look at this from a reality perspective. There's an analogy that we're reading about here. Paul is not just coming up with general ideas of armor. He is looking at a Roman soldier. The, the words he's using, we will see piece by piece what he's defining as we, as we break down each piece of the armor over the course of these next several weeks. I want to just challenge you to understand that when we start looking at the shield of faith, the Roman soldiers had two different shields. One was for presentation, pomp, and circumstance. When they performed before the king, they took a worthless shield of faith out that was nothing but ornate and pretty and looked nice. But when it was time for war, there was an entirely different shield. When Paul is using verbiage in this text of Scripture, he's not talking about the presentation shield. He's talking about the shield for battle. And too many Christians have allowed themselves to be presentation-oriented about their faith, but God is calling us to war. Come on, it's time to rise up and fight the way God says we're called to fight. The Roman soldiers used several different swords for several different purposes. Some were very short-bladed for, for hand-to-hand combat. Others were very large. There's a specific sword that Paul is referencing, and we're going to see that when we get to looking at the Word of God and the sword of the Spirit. What we need to understand, this is serious business. Jesus is the Lord of lords. He's the Lord of hosts, of captains, of the armies, of angels. When he returns, he'll be on a white horse. According to Revelation chapter 19, he has a double-edged sword in his hand, and his robe will be dipped with blood. There's something fierce in the heart of God. And this exists in the heart of men. And it shows up at a very young age. It's why a boy can pick up a stick. And suddenly that stick becomes a sword. And there's an enemy coming against that warrior who has just converted a stick into a sword. And the enemy must be conquered in that moment of his imagination. Where does that come from? Created in the image of a ferocious God who knows what it is to protect his people and provide the security and the comfort and the strength that you and I need. Write it in if you would, please. In, I left three blanks in this so that we can think about what we're saying. Embedded in every man's heart is a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and people to rescue. And I'm speaking of mankind because this exists within all of us, but let's not get lost in the common vernacular of society and lose sight of the fact there is a very important role God has called us to serve as men. I'm speaking to the men on Father's Day. Take your place as the spiritual leader of the home and declare over your family, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Come on, bring that declaration today. We, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
So the question I, I have, it's a challenging question. I kind of wrestled with this because this is so challenging. But do you feel at times like God seems to be disinterested or uninvolved in your life? He's just not that involved or not that interested. You ever feel that way? And, you know, I'm sure that we can all attest to feeling that way at various, way, various times, different perspectives coming on. Uh, and, and recognize, here's the parallel I want to draw. How many of you have ever seen a movie? And the movie, like, didn't really resonate with you. What was going on in the movie really didn't hit you right. I mean, it just wasn't that adventurous. It just wasn't that exciting. It didn't seem to really connect, and you were bored in the movie. Perhaps you fell asleep. How many of you ever fallen asleep in a movie? Can I just see your hand? You've fallen asleep in a movie. I've fallen asleep in a great number of movies myself. I think that probably says something about my ability to focus and concentrate. But uh, whenever it doesn't resonate with me. Now, there are some movies when I start watching them and it resonates within me when there's adventure and, and you know, I, I, I really pick up on that. I'm so glad Tracy's dad uh, raised her up on action movies. You know, he had her watch action movies. And so Tracy, whenever she wants to watch a movie, thank God she doesn't want to watch one of those foo-foo movies that puts me to sleep. She wants some action. She wants to see some guns blazing. And, you know, I mean, you know, that, that's, I, I'm so thankful to God that he has blessed me with my father-in-law's legacy like that in, in my own life. And, and if you've ever watched a movie and you've not had enough adventure and you've not had enough excitement, you've not had enough of what's going on in the movie to resonate within you, perhaps you understand how God feels when he looks upon our lives and we've settled for so much less than he ever had in store for us to become. You know, it's never God's plan for any of us to live boring lives. God didn't allow his son to have his back whipped and beaten so severely, literally strips of flesh would hang down to his calf, his beard pulled out of his face, punched, spit on, crown of thorns pressed into his skull, profuse bleeding taking place, hands and feet nailed to a cross. I read a medical description of the crucifixion one time, and it, it horrified me to recognize that death by crucifixion is death by asphyxiation. Because what happens is you push up with your feet to take a breath. If your hands are back and you're hanging on your, your, your hand, your, if your chest is forward, you're hanging on your hands, you cannot take in a breath. And if you can take in a breath, then you can't exhale the breath. And so what happens is the person that's, that's there, they're pushing up with searing agony on their feet in order to take a breath and exhale. And then it hurts so badly, painfully, excruciatingly on their feet that they remove the pain from that, and the body jerks, pulling. The, I mean, this is torture. God did not let his son be brutalized to death, tree bleeding every drop of blood out of his body so that you and I could find comfortable lives in our faith in Christ. That is not Christianity. That is fake religion that has tried to invade our society today. Your warriors... 
You and I have to guard against lessening our ambition and losing our fight because we have neglected the needs of the people around us that God has assigned us to devote ourselves to meet and minister to, or we grow distracted in some way, we grow frustrated in some way, and we're no longer even engaged in what God has called us to be engaged in. What does God think about when He watches the movie of your life? Jesus came to heal the hearts of humanity. It's your next blank. And awaken a ferocious love within us all that has the power to transform our world. We are part of a worldwide Jesus movement to sacrificially love, serve, and give in a way that captures not only people's attention around us, but literally arrests the attention of God because we are about His work. His plan is to redeem and restore all humanity. And once you're set free, how many of you have been set free? Can I just hear a sound of freedom in this room if you've been set free? Real freedom. Come on, I want to hear a sound of freedom in this room. We've been set free. I'm so thankful to be free. I'm so thankful to be free. I'm so thankful. The freedom of Jesus is awakened within our lives. Jesus didn't set you free so you could simply be free. Jesus set you free so you could become a freedom fighter and other people would become free. And when God's purposes are awakened in our hearts, life becomes all Jesus described it to be. In John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that they might have and enjoy life. The Amplified says, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Till it overflows. There's something of overflowing of what God puts within us that actually fulfills our assignment. We're to be rivers, not reservoirs. There's something of overflowing, giving consideration to the people around you. God's given you more than enough. How are you considering how that overflows out of your life? It's very interesting that we see this. The truth is God wants your life to be awesome. The trick is God wants you to learn to provide an awesome life for others rather than merely pursuing an awesome life for yourself, and that's what makes your life so awesome. It's a truth that comes with a trick. God wants your life to be awesome, but he doesn't want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others. That's what makes your life awesome. This is our entire focus and theme for the year 2018. It's a year of flourishing. This is a year that you and I learn together God has created us to flourish. God has created you to flourish. 
He's not created you to struggle and flounder and wonder if God's able. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. This is a year for us to learn and have a deep-seated revelation deposited within us that causes us to begin to see that God is taking us places beyond where we've understood or known in times past before. There's an acceleration that comes upon the church in this hour. Today, I want to challenge you. Is we're in the midpoint of the year, just about 50% of the way through the year. Let's take this truth that God's revealing for 2018, and let's bring that application of the truth that comes with the trick. I'll, I'll reiterate it one more time. The truth is God wants your life to be awesome. He wants you to flourish. Yeah. But the trick is He wants you to provide an awesome life for others rather than pursuing an awesome life for yourself. And that's what makes your life so awesome. So God's created you to flourish. I want to challenge you. You are created by God to stir and create atmospheres in the earth that cause other people to flourish. It's been interesting. I've been having just some conversations with the Lord recently. And he's showing me when I'm speaking, we live in a world today that is filled with excellent sound bites and communication. And we've almost, because we have such polished expressions of church, we've almost equipped churches, Christians, to have clever, cliche expressions without ever allowing them to truly see deep in their own lives. And I've just felt the Lord challenging me recently just to make room. Just to make room for us to hear what the Spirit has to say. You know, God's saying something to us congregationally as a family. God's also saying something to us individually. We've just resolved in our home we do... Um, Part of what we feel called to is just to minister to other pastors and leaders. And this last week, we've had a pastor and his family in our home from the UK. And as they left, we just took some time yesterday to pray and to ask God to speak what he was wanting to speak. We began to share these prophetic words back and forth. And I, as, they, as they drove off, I just thought, never again. Never again will we ever have anybody come spend the night in our home that we don't pray and prophesy over them, every single one of them, as a part of the expression of the prophetic culture of our home that awakens the prophetic culture of their heart to enlarge the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Never again will we miss that opportunity. That'll just be the norm. That was a really important thing that that I determined out of just what God was revealing to me. What's God revealing to you today? What's God have to say to you out of this conversation of awakening a, a greater revelation of warfare in all of our lives? Your action point this week, and I want you to, to process this and think about what God is speaking to you through this. But I want to ask you, create an atmosphere in your home that will attract the attention of God. Create an atmosphere of your home 
that will invite people into your family. You know, hospitality is such an important, important part of Christianity. Invites people in. Create the atmosphere in your home that will attract the attention of God. Turn on worship music in your home. Wake up in the morning and turn on worship. Whatever your favorite worship music is, God loves it. Just turn it on in the morning. Get that atmosphere rolling. Have worship music during the day, during the evening, whatever. Get into the Word of God in your home. Read the Word of God yourself. Turn the page. Share in reading. Ask people in your family, your friends that you meet with, you gather with, whatever your covenant structure of family is, friends. Share in the Word of God. Pray for family members and pray for close friends routinely, regularly. Just take the time. Make a list. I've got lists of names of people on specific days of the week that is part of my pursuit of God. I'm just walking, and I'm just praying, and I just declare a blessing. Sometimes when I pray over Josh and Kim McQueen, I just say, Lord, just bless the McQueen family, their household. Then I just pause for a moment that the Lord might want to speak something. And I just sense great strength in your lives over your children as a result of the season we're coming into that you're going to embrace some things from His Word for your lives. But this is a really important season for both of your children that God is going to strengthen their faith, strengthen their lives in this particular season in Jesus' mighty name. Just simple. Just praying and listening. It's very simple. It's just a normal part of being in relationship with the conversational father, but you have to make time to do this. Pray for family members and, and friends. Purpose meaningful time together. <laughs> Purpose meaningful time together. Time that everybody enjoys, not just time that you enjoy. Meaningful. What would you like to do? Take turns selecting what we're going to do on a Saturday or whenever your time is. Make it a point to care for others together on purpose. I'm just coaching you. I've given you my message. Now I'm giving you a little coaching. And what's happening, God is having a conversation with you individually. So what's the Spirit of God saying to you? Holy Spirit, Speak to our hearts today. Speak to our hearts, Lord. <laughs> Come on, let's just stand together. Lord, may we never gather in this room just to have church. May we understand we are the church. We can't go to church. We are the church. We gather as the church to be armed and equipped by the Spirit of God to be more effective at everything that you've called us to do, at all that you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus.